Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Jack River and this is To Rebel in the Times, a dive into the processes and experiences that drive artists, scientists, business owners and activists to reshape the systems we're working and living in. This episode was recorded in Ugambe country. I would like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging and pay special respect to any First Nations listeners. If you're a man researching feminism, if you're a white person researching race, if you're yeah, only watching movies with people that look like you in it, you need to kind of branch out and that's where it's like, okay, as artists we have this deep responsibility and we have to kind of look at what we're looking at as well as kind of what we're putting out. Yeah. Not so long ago, Alex the astronaut was studying maths and physics on a soccer scholarship at Long Island University and testing out her songs at open mic nights around New York in between. Then in 2016, at just 21, she released her first song, Already Home, and Australia quickly fell in love with her way of calling out the wrongs of our society. Since then, she's perfectly crafted her personal experience into unofficial anthems for marriage equality in Australia and delved into the complicated process of working out the best way of writing someone else's experience. And she's done it all in her own way. I must flag that this conversation was recorded before COVID-19 impacted our world and before the global uprising for the rights, treatment and lives of First Nations people and people of colour unfolded after the death of George Floyd. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show because I've been A, obsessed with your music since I heard it and B, you're just a multi-talented interesting organism on the planet i try to be a a fun and interesting organism i don't know if i always succeed but i'll continue on that journey (laughs) i'm gonna jump straight into the big questions the first time i ever heard your song already home the lyric uh, that stuck out to me and so many other people was there's billionaires for president and parking fines in hospitals and i just thought from the very beginning you're not here to mess around. This is your first song that's been publicly released and you're kind of capturing the times. Did you do that on purpose? I don't know. I think I I remember riding the line. I remember I was on the way back from my cafe job on a bus and I was just exhausted and angry at the world and I think 
Donald Trump had just started his campaign and I was sick of his shit. <laughs> and and I remember like kind of looking around on the bus and being like, there must be other people that feel like this. And then eventually when I came to writing the song, the billionaires for president line was more about how there's this man who's running for president in the US who's a billionaire who's saying all this outrageous stuff and there's also people I'm passing the hospital who are paying $70 a day to see their loved one in in pain. And, yeah, I, I found that pretty frustrating but I guess when the song came out, Trump had been elected and so people felt like I'd predicted his election and I didn't intend that at all. I hoped that it would have been the opposite and that he got forgotten about but... Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess that song to me is like your perfect concoction of the universal and the personal. And it seems like all of your songs over time have this balance of those two things. Yeah, I think I kind of try and walk that line where personally I'll be experiencing something and then I'll kind of look around and be like, I wonder how other people interpret this but if I wrote a song about my life I don't know if that would be a song that people would be interested in or people could relate to themselves I'm like oh should I not write that song Mm. I think you go through phases as well like you go through like like some songs for me like I'd sing them and I'd be like I don't have as much emotional connection to this one but at the time I really liked it and then other ones kind of have that timeless quality where you can always go back to them and you're like oh yeah like for me, Not Worth Hiding is a song where I'm singing and I'm like, I can take myself back to that time. Whereas like some other songs I'm like, that seemed really big to me at the time, but now I look back at it and it's not as big as it was. And on Not Worth Hiding, for anyone who hasn't heard it, the chorus is, it's not worth hiding if you've got something to say and it's not worth smiling if you're feeling in pain. And it's not worth hiding if you think you might be gay a different in another way. <laughs> um, <laughs> this song uh, is about being honest about your sexuality and who you are and um, consequently it became like an anthem for the same-sex marriage vote um, and in turn you've kind of written a piece of Australian history which is pretty amazing. Did it feel really important to you when you were writing it? Yeah, I I I wrote five versions of it. I kept wow. kind of going between what perspective to take. Cuz when Already Home came out, it was insane. I felt so confused because I was in America and studying and all my friends around me didn't really understand what was going on at home. None of them were Australian. So they kind of just all took it with a grain of salt. But when I came back home and people were singing along with me, I was it was really surreal. And I'm sure you've experienced that, whether you get that really weird experience of like, oh, people are listening to me. Like they know what I'm doing kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and it, it either connects or it just doesn't connect and it makes you feel very strange. Yeah, I felt very strange. I loved it. It was awesome. But I definitely felt strange and it was an adapting time and I started like thinking about what other songs I wanted to write and I was like, oh, I have to write about being gay. Like I've been messaged by people, you know, asking if I want to go out with them that were boys and I was like, oh, if people think I'm straight. Like I can't, I can't play that yeah. game. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I kept thinking about like what if I could put, 
how I would do pronouns in my song and I was like, fuck, I don't want to do that and not say anything. And then I kind of went between and I was like, Courtney Barnett didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, yeah, but you think that you need to. And then I was like, but Alex Leahy didn't say anything. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) And then I was like, just do it. And so I sat in my dorm room for about six months and I was like, let's just shout at politicians. And so I wrote the first version that was like, trying to explain it to a politician, which was a really weird one. That was, mm. it wasn't, it didn't connect with me. I was just like, it's it's me trying to justify myself to another person. And I was like, oh, that's not quite it. And then I went through a couple, talking to a few different people. And then eventually I was like, you need to talk to yourself when you were 15, 16. That's so beautiful. And it wasn't even about like, will this go to the Grammys? It was more about what will this do for kids to hear someone talking about it and not in an arrogant way or anything it just I remember what it was like being 16 and being in school and kind of when something like same love or whatever the Macklemore song is comes on the radio and you've you know in the back of the brain something's going on with you and you think that there's something up and you might be gay and you hear something like that and you get a little bit of a tear and then you're like it just kind of it accelerates it's a gateway the drug. It's a gateway drug and you're just like, oh, I'm going to look up Hayley Kiyoko or whatever and like <laughs> listen to girls like girls or whatever. But, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it was a pretty, it was, it was something I understood would be significant and I think when I started playing it in live shows, I, I think I had to play it at a show where my aunt and uncle and my cousins were and they didn't know yet. And I remember being like on the stage and about to sing it and just getting a bit of a like butterfly legs, like just take a deep breath and then sang the song. So at the time of writing it, did you feel as confident as the song sounds or was it uncomfortable for you? It was uncomfortable. I think it's always been uncomfortable. Yeah, I did cry when I came out to my friends. I was so scared and torn apart and overwhelmed by the future and yeah just unsure of what my life would look like like I'd heard of gay people that had committed suicide and I remember thinking in my head oh yeah fair enough they wouldn't have had a future that was what I thought I thought I wouldn't fit in in this world I thought I didn't really deserve to live in this world and oh it definitely infers like it makes me feel sad and confused yeah for you and takes me to my dark places and the things that you don't know about yourself at that age. Yeah, if if you are different in whatever it is and you feel like you don't fit in, it can have a really Im- big impact on you and it had a really big impact on me and I, I didn't tell any of my friends till I left school. I told one of them kind of and and then I remember after school just being like, that's over now. Just move along. <laughs> so to write this song and release it and take on the voice of a generation pretty much, it's one of the most like beautifully literal songs about coming out that's been released in Australia. So you've impacted so many millions of listeners and young people. Oh, thank you. So I didn't want to – I think one of the main things I wanted to put in the song was um, – your story might not be at all like mine. Yeah. Like that was the line where I was like, this either needs to be right at the start or really in a part where people are listening because I was like, this is not my story of being a privileged 
white girl from a private school in an area where my parents accepted me and I was lucky enough to kind of not have any major repercussions from coming out, I think that was where I was like, you need to put that in there. That was the only thing that I was... Being that real in this digital age where there's a bazillion stories going on around us, for you to tell your story and for everyone listening to tell their own story is so important. Do you agree? Like, Yeah, I think it's really hard to tell your own story when everyone is trying to do it. Everyone is trying to be heard on the internet. Everyone is trying to be authentic and then also be liked, mm. which is it's it's just impossible. You cannot tell your authentic story and then want to be liked at the same time. Yeah, it's like heartbreakingly confusing and hard and I just feel myself like really intrinsically from the core coming up against like, hang on, what was I doing this for? Because I wasn't born to be an Instagrammer. No. <laughs> I feel like a writer at heart and the things that I know are great that come out of my brain and heart are like long form. I've spent a while writing them. I've written them in a cave away from the world or it's a song that I've written when I feel like I'm on another planet. And to have the legacy of creating in inverted commas, this is open to interpretation, but real art, which is for me I thought and I think is like an act of true originality, like to have that come against a daily expectation to be relatable, likable, yeah, yep. it's funny, funny, yeah, chill about everything. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like an alien. Oh, me too. I I struggle with it because I think um, when I started doing social media, I was in college. Um, and I was having a lot of fun and all my friends were having a lot of fun and we were running around this college campus in a really surreal world where it was a lovely, lovely world that we were living in but as soon as I left, it got a lot harder for me and so this funny persona that I kind of had created for myself almost turned on me and I was like, I don't feel that funny at the moment. I don't feel like being silly or I don't feel like doing a funny video or whatever, especially with... Um, Instagram, they feed you all these statistics and they're like, 50 people unfollowed you because you posted a photo of you at the Big Banana or something. I'm like, (laughs) fuck, oh, I've messed up my whole career just because I posted that stupid fucking photo. (laughs) Like, that's me every every day. day. Upload, delete, (laughs) upload, delete. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so that leads me back to music. Okay. (laughs) As a scientist and someone who has a physics degree, that world is based on factual inquiry, uh, data and a very strict process. Whereas being a musician, it's the absolute opposite. There are zero rules. It's all about like original, um, messy, infinite self-inquiry, which has no guidelines. Mm. Please explain. Well, it's much easier with the no guidelines thing. Um, I find it, I find in moments I can see my scientific brain coming into my music brain and it's more, it's like my, it's like my internal fact checker. I can imagine that must create quite a deep conflict. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Bo Burnham? 
I haven't. Okay. He's got this song about left brain and the right brain. Yeah. And that's pretty much my whole thing in life. It's just like one of my brains being like, this is not smart. And then I'll be like, do it anyway. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're both in music. We both have um, a lot of passion about uh, societal change, economic change, empowerment by information. But we're both in music perhaps to contribute some kind of cultural or emotional reimagining. So what role do you think music plays? Or for you, what is that purpose in being in music right now? I feel that we, our job is to look at our own feelings and portray them honestly so that when people listen to music, they can identify with something else and connect and then feel like there's um, there's a a sense of unity or belonging in their in their crazy crazy disconnected world. Yeah, somehow we have this this connection to sounds and we need to tell our stories in a way that's more than words because words are getting lost and mm. there's so much shit out there that's just noise and I think that music is the way to kind of cut through that. We we know the impact of music on a societal uh level we've seen Mm -hmm. that throughout history but I feel like with the kind of state of pop music I definitely have forgotten it over the past 10 years I'm like what is this music doing what are we shifting where are the 60s and 70s yeah like I think I've had a tendency to just look at things that have affected me personally like gender and the planet and things like that and I think it's yeah if you're a man researching feminism if you're a white person researching race if you're yeah only watching movies with people that look like you in it you need to kind of branch out and that's where it's like okay as artists we have this deep responsibility and we have to kind of look at what we're looking at as well as kind of what we're putting out yeah okay so we've spoken a lot uh about you know being authentic with your own story But recently you released I Like to Dance and it's a hugely impactful song about domestic violence, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, how did you come to writing so deeply from hopefully, I mean, someone else's perspective? Domestic violence myself. It was really strange. I was at a barbecue with a magistrate judge and he came up to me and he was like, I want you to write a song and I was like oh dear this is gonna be bad I don't want (laughs) to yes (laughs) (laughs) and he was like um I have this line for you and I I think that's what you should make the song out of and I was like okay and he was like I had this case this week I've had thousands of them but this one I can't shake it this woman came in six months after she'd gone to the police because her boyfriend had, had beaten her up And they'd had photos and everything and evidence. And when she got to the day, she said, I lied, nothing happened. It was all in public court, so he could tell me about it. But they took her into a a room where she was just with the judge and with her lawyer. And they said, what's going on? You said that this happened. We knew that this happened. We've got documentation. Like, what's going on? And she said, no, 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 no. He's lovely. He's lovely. He's awesome. Um... Nothing happened. I fell down the stairs. I fell down the stairs. I just want him to stop hitting me. And so 
it was like she was circling through the story and then coming back to this this really simple thing that she just wanted him to stop hitting her and then that would be per- everything would be perfect apart from that everything's fine i really just clicked with it and i wrote it down and then i was like i'd heard so much on the radio about one woman a week had been killed and and i, I i've got some people around me that have experienced domestic violence but I'd never gone into conversations deeply about it and um yeah I just I he set me up to speak to these domestic violence liaison officers and I pretty wow. much yeah so I sat down with them for like three hours and it was awesome they said um yeah they just said ask us whatever you want to ask and so I just did I asked them everything I asked them Questions that um, I felt like when people ask them, why don't they leave? When people ask them, um, is it a certain woman that gets in this herself into this situation? I just went like, can you tell me what you would say to these people when they ask you these questions that are really not that great? And what happens when people say, what about men? And what happens when people ask you... Um, say that it doesn't actually happen that much and stuff like that. So I got all of this kind of data. It was a little bit scientific but not really. This is so prolific. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I took the little facts that they'd given me and I shaped them into a story and I watched heaps of kind of – I watched documentaries and I watched watched Big Little Lies a lot of times and like Nicole Kidman's portrayal of domestic violence and how that – um, was a bit different from this narrative that we're taught that it's people that are in situations of like drug addiction and they're in poor suburbs far far away from you and then you know it's just it's it's far away it's not us it's 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 something else that we can separate ourselves from and I think it's re- it was really important to me to get a story that kind of transcended um that narrative that we're taught from really young that it's yes no one we know goes through this which from talking to the police officers they were like heaps of people you know would have experienced this and that kind of shattered yeah I guess the story for me and 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 made me shape it in a way that was trying to speak from the woman's perspective and say hey I'm exactly like you and this has just broken me, but I wish it hadn't. And I hope that I can go on and just live another day separate from this whole thing. That's so incredible, Alex. So awesome that you have brought the scientists and the artists together in this case. Yeah, that to, was, I guess, a pers- perfect example of that. Yeah, kind of thing. To, f- to try and figure this out on behalf of the people who are going through it that whoever's out there listening going through that thing can know that they're being thought of and they're considered and they're valued yeah I I didn't want to try and tell everyone's story I think my aim in it was to just say um these women deserve to be heard in a different way than just say one woman a week like and a few stats about yeah something yeah and that's um a perfectly a succinct example of how uh, music can play an extremely valid role in reimagining how we tell the stories of people, right? 
Uh-huh. I hope yes. so. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Alex. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Do you have an example of kind of K-hole that you're in right now that people might not suspect you're in? I'm kind of interested in religion. Um, I was brought up Catholic. I never believed any of it. I was a very science and a, probably a little bit of an asshole in high school about sure. religion. But then, yeah, I think in the past couple of years I've been thinking about how if we're living and we have all of this energy in us that keeps us going and breathing and digesting and thinking and all of that stuff, and then when we die, that huge amount of energy goes. What happens to that? How does that? exhibit itself in the universe I guess yeah we've as over thousands of years come up with these different narratives of what happens and like and what we should be doing now and how how whatever that energy thing if it's the soul if it's whatever that is we can affect that with what we do in our lives and then that can be carried over to whether you go to heaven or hell or whether you get reincarnated as a frog or an antelope or a Frog, really kind person like yeah frogs would be sick can i just uh interject and do question 2.1 quickly mm-hmm. do you think science in the near future is going to come up with any kind of explanation of that energy and that force in the way of a dark matter or b string theory like are we going to be you know reading this in in science history books rather than just spiritual history books in the in the near future. Yeah, um, my hope is that they will find a way to kind of merge that conversation. I think with like um, studying how meditation affects the mind, and a meditation could be seen as a type of prayer, I guess, and like that how that connecting to your own thing can change your brain, and how that can change. I don't know. I think that I think that there could definitely be some sort of understanding of how in the future how souls exist. Well, just for the record, dark matter. Oh yeah. Like shouldn't that be the thing we wake up and think about every day what the fuck is dark matter? And I I just think like <laughs> songs and souls and and all the stuff we kind of, if you're that way inclined, feel is there. Yeah. What if that's the dark matter that's holding it all together? <laughs> like, <laughs> why are we talking about My this every day? scientist is coming out. I'm just like, no, I can't make any but comments. What is I it? Don't know. I don't okay, know. Okay, you don't know. No, cool. but like that's what my brain is saying. It's like don't comment because you actually don't know. Okay, well, we'll leave that for another time. Maybe I like your years, thing though. Let's when, take your thing. When our brains are in like – yeah some weird water we'll have a chat about that yeah let's do it a massive thank you to alex the astronaut i could delve into her brain for infinite hours i'm jack river and in these wild times that we're living through this podcast is my exploration of what it means to rebel in the times you can find alex in her big banana glory at alex the astronaut on instagram and all other social media and streaming platforms Stay tuned for The Theory of Absolutely Nothing, Alex's debut album to be released in August 2020. You can also subscribe to To Rebel in the Times on any podcast player and please, if you like it, leave us a review. Follow To Rebel in the Times on Instagram where I'll be sharing a little more of my time with these wonderful artists. 
This podcast was made independently by Jack River with Jess Hamilton, Pete Covington and Unified Management. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.